Father. Lord, let that be the, the cry of our entire church, Lord God, to recognize that the creator of the universe, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords doesn't simply want our obedience, but he wants intimacy. He wants a seven-day a week, 365 day a year, relationship with us. And could we just get a fresh revelation of that? Got a full understanding of what that means. May the beauty of that, the wonder of that, capture our hearts and capture our attention and capture our devotion, Father. You would raise up a passionate church that burns for you, God. We can look all around us today, Father, and we see the darkness. We see the evil that's taking place between Israel and Gaza and Ukraine and Russia and the sex trafficking industry, the violence, the hatred, the, the racism, the political parties and the corruption in our government. But Father God, our weapon is a melody. Our weapon is your praises, Father God. It is when you are lifted up above ourselves. It is when you are lifted up above our political parties. It is when you are lifted up above our fears. The chains come rattling off. Walls come tumbling down. Freedom enters in your church and ignites the rest of the world around us, Father God. That's the kind of Christian that can flip the world upside down. Father, let us be world changers, Father God. Not because of our own talents, or our efforts, but because we finally recognize who we are in you. That we are children of God, endued with power from your Holy Spirit to change the world. We thank you for that today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a hand, and you can return to your seats. Thank you so much, worship team. Uh, for your ministry today, and I am so excited uh, to bring this message to you guys and excited to have our special uh, younger audience in the, uh, the, the seats around the tables with us today. Can we just give it up for all of our young people here? You know, I really felt strongly uh, that God was impressing upon me to pray a certain way today. Um, that his spirit would move and specifically today because I think it's easy for us to say oh today's a today's a cute Sunday you know look at all those cute kids you know we get to highlight our kids and and just celebrate what they do and that's good there's nothing wrong with that first of all let me just say these kids are cute my goodness right they're adorable but I'll tell you this the devil doesn't think they're cute the devil's terrified of them and for good reason and I believe God was just showing me, look, today I'm going to move and I'm going to move through young people. And he's reminding me that we have to come into his kingdom as a little child. And some of us, we're actually missing out on the power of God. 
We're missing out on uh, the full effectiveness that we can have as believers because we haven't learned how to have faith like a child and how to have humility like a child, how to have the awe and wonder of our heavenly father like a child does for their earthly father. And if we can capture that, I'm telling you this today, guys, not just to, uh, to pump up our kids, but we have something to learn from this generation. I believe God is raising up a generation that's going to bring revival back to our nation. Uh, the old people had a chance and we messed up. Now it's their turn. So I just want to encourage you today, one more time, if you are joining us for the first time, please make sure that you take time to fill out one of those Connect cards. Also, grab your Go Deep guides. You should have those at your table today. We also have a special Go Deep guide for our kids uh, today to follow along with fill-in-the-blank notes. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with our Go Deep guides, on the very front cover, there's just open space so that you can jot down notes to the message today, uh, things that you want to make sure you remember, things that God spoke into your life. And the rest of it is full of questions that are designed for you to take home so that you can go deeper. That's why we're calling it the Go Deep Guide, because God has so much for you that he can't fit it all in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, right? Some of you are like, hour and a half? You mean two hours, Pastor Joe? Okay, not today. It's going to be shorter right? And so take these home. Those of you that aren't in a life group and you want information about that, uh, please reach out. I'd love to connect you to one. But the life groups take these, and after they've studied the questions and answered them for themselves, they come together and they have an incredible discussion, a time of horizontal ministry that takes place, which again is why we sit at tables here at the fountain, at Fountain of Life, because we believe that the same spirit that's in the pastor is in you, and you have an opportunity to minister and to speak into someone's life that you're sitting across from eye to eye. So we're just so excited to have you here today. And so what we're doing today is we're picking up where our young kids have left off in Fountain Kids. They've been in this series called The Fab Five. How cool is that, right? The Fab Five, the Fabulous Five. And they've been talking about Old Testament prophets and they're being portrayed um, as heroes because truly they were uh, the heroes of faith. And what a prophet is, if some of you in here don't know, is a prophet was somebody God used to be his mouthpiece, and he would often reveal the future to them. And he would tell them to give warnings to his people about the future. Like, hey, get your stuff together, or else some bad things are going to happen, right? And so that's where we pick up here. We're going to talk about a prophet named Jeremiah. See, God sent Jeremiah to the nation of Judah specifically, but a lot of, uh, like a lot of other prophets, Jeremiah didn't have a whole lot of luck turning the people back to God. How many of you ever read the Old Testament before, right? Um, it's quite a yo-yo roller coaster experience, isn't it? Like, uh, and then the people of Israel sinned against God gravely, right? And so he raised up an enemy, and they came in, and they conquered, and they, they pillaged, and they plundered, and then God raised up a deliverer, and then they came back to God, God, we're so sorry, <laughs> right? And then they, they made it right, and so they set them free, they delivered them, and then Israel enjoyed peace for 40 years, and then they sinned greatly against God, and we're just like, this is such an old song that seems to be stuck on repeat. How many of you know sometimes that's how uh, your personal life goes? Yeesh, right? Like, I should have this by now. 
Why am I falling back into this again? And God in his mercy continues to pursue us. And God in his mercy continued to send in these prophets. But man, Jeremiah was, he was heartbroken. He's known as the weeping prophet. How would you like that for a tattle, a, t- a tattle, a title, right? What if I was known as the weeping preacher, right? Uh, there'd be some guys that'd be like, I'm not going to that church. That guy's a sissy, right? The weeping preacher. Well, he's known as this because he faced a lot of failure and disappointment, and it felt like no one was listening to him. In fact, it probably felt something like this. Check this out. Okay, so here's Jeremiah. Hey, how's it going? I've got a message to you from the Lord. This guy's being rude. He's not even acknowledging that I'm here. He's not responding. Uh, let me see. Maybe I can try a little humor to get the conversation going. Hey, high five. Awesome. Hey, you know what I've always admired about you is your posture. You stand so straight and so tall. You know what else? You remind me of my favorite movie, Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I was just thinking about you the other day. Mr. Wall, um, that I, I, was, I was looking at the pictures and I realized that you're probably a really good friend because they seem to really enjoy hanging out with you. I'm trying. I sh- should I give up? Am I going to get a response out of this thing right here? No, no. Okay. I'm sorry you had to endure those jokes. But here's the point. Jeremiah felt the way that I felt at times past in ministry like you're talking to a wall. So this was tough. Jeremiah was bringing a word that wasn't popular, but it was true. It's exactly what God had called him to do. And sometimes as a pastor, as a youth pastor, right, Nadia? What table's Nadia at? Oh, there she is, right? Does it ever feel like sometimes you're talking to a wall? And all those walls are on their cell phones, right? Not anymore, right? We got rid of those cell phones, right? Or all those walls are poking each other and giggling the whole time. And sometimes it feels like our breath is wasted. And I just feel like God's, God has one more thing to attach on that word I gave earlier. You ever heard that term, don't waste your breath? I think sometimes we feel like we're wasting our breath. But God says that there is not a breath that is ever wasted, that is spent on singing his praises, on crying out to the Lord, on preaching the truth and preaching his word. Not a single breath is wasted. In fact, it says his word will not return void, but it will do what it set out to accomplish. But you know what is a waste of breath? I think sometimes we waste our breath on complaining. We waste our breath on speaking curses. We, we waste our breath on just recounting the past and rehashing the past or maybe can, counting up like other people are counting their blessings. We're counting everything that's wrong. And I believe that God wants to tell you today that's, that's a waste of your breath. But take the breath that he's given you, the life that he's put within you, and sing his praises, speak his truth, speak life, declare victory, do all these things, and not a single breath will go to waste. Amen? Receive that this morning. And so for Jeremiah, talking to the people of Judah was like talking to a wall. Nobody listened to him. Nobody did what he said. And because of that, though, on top of that, Judah suffered the consequences. 
So he's already frustrated because no one's listening to him. But then the very thing he says is going to happen happens. And he's not like, ha, gotcha, told you so. Instead, we learn in scripture that he's heartbroken because the people he loves are needlessly suffering. Man, how many of you have had people in your life like that? You're like, you can see the destructive choices they're making. They're not listening to you and they continue to suffer and you take no satisfaction in it whatsoever. And so that's where uh, we pick up here because sometimes when you look at heroes like in Hollywood, have you ever noticed there's a popular theme where the hero faces an impossible decision? Save the woman you love or this bus full of 150 people is going to plunge to its death. And, and a lot of times in Hollywood, he finds a way to save both, right? But in reality, sometimes the hero does all he can and many people are lost. And so put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes this morning. The pain and sorrow of what seems like failure can be enough to crush a man's soul, crush a man's spirit, if it weren't for the presence of God sustaining him. This was Jeremiah's reality. Are you ready to see what happens in this true story about Jeremiah? So at your tables, you'll also find a comic strip. I want everyone to pull one out. We got one for the adults and the kids, and this is going to be fun, and raise your hand if you're young or old and you like to draw. Raise your hand. Let me see you. Perfect. You're going to enjoy this because what you're going to find is you're going to find, I think, four panels, right? Four panels that all have a blank spot where a part of the picture's missing, okay? And so I'm going to ask you guys, young and old, to follow along with me and to fill in the missing parts of the picture. Now, Amir, I know you love to draw. So I better see you participating. That's right. I just called you out in front of the whole church. That's because that's how much I love you. All right. So Amir, you get to draw in, buddy. And I want to see yours afterwards because you're actually a great artist. I've seen your work before. And you've done comic stuff, haven't you? Yeah. Come on, man. Get into it. All right. So the first thing we're going to draw in that first panel is this. I want you to draw a picture of a king because that's what's missing from that part of the story. So in that blank spot, I think it's on the left side, draw a picture of a king. And here's what happens. So all around the borders of Israel and Judah, there's powerful nations rising up and looking for new lands to conquer. It sort of feels a little bit about what we're going through right now, but I think maybe even more intensified. And because of Israel's sin, the nation has already been conquered by their enemy. And now the evil Babylonians are looking to conquer God's people completely, right? And there's only one thing that's stopping them. Check this out. The king of Judah came to an agreement with the king of Babylon to be loyal to him and to pay him money in exchange for peace. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like the bully at school that says, give me your lunch money and you won't get a pounding, right? And so every day he comes and he says, I'm ready to collect my lunch money. And you keep giving it to him because you don't want the beating. But as you know, if you've ever been bullied for before, it comes to a point where you feel like you've had enough and you don't want to be bullied anymore. And this is what the king of Judah is facing. He's getting tired of paying. And so now he starts talking to other nations. He's like, listen, we hate the Babylonians. You hate the Babylonians. Go to war against them with us and we'll overthrow them. But the problem is this, guys. God has other plans. He sends a prophet named Jeremiah that we already introduced to confront the king of Judah. And when Jeremiah shows up, he's wearing this large yoke on his neck. Raise your hand if you don't know what a yoke is. 
Okay, so it's like this big piece of wood, and, and there's two theories. Like if it was actually like an oxen yoke, it was like this big, huge, thick piece of wood. Um, and you'd put two oxen, one on each side, and they would use it to like maybe pull a plow or something like that. Okay, and so, or it could have been a human yoke, which they would put over their shoulders to kind of carry two buckets of water, right? But either way, what he was trying to demonstrate, because Jeremiah was a lot like your pastor. He loved illustrated sermons. And so he couldn't just come in and say, you are under the yoke or the control of the Babylonians and you're going to stay that way for a while. He goes, I'm going to show you what it looks like and what it feels like, what oppression feels like. And so he comes in, he's got this big wooden yoke on and he tells the king that this is what's going to happen. And so in the second panel, I want you to go ahead and draw a picture of a broken yoke on the floor, and we're going to get to that. I think I'm missing something in my notes, though. Can I see one of those comic strips? It's like something disappeared, because what does he say there? Yeah, this is supposed to be in my notes, so this word is freaking out on me. So he says right here, he says, God has given you over to Babylon because of your wickedness. Babylon has put its yoke of power on your neck, and now they control you like the wild beast. If you accept the yoke and serve Babylon, you will live. If you throw the yoke off, you will die. Any prophet who tells you differently is a liar. And so basically, um, Jeremiah admits that the Babylonians are evil and oppressing them, but he's saying, guess what? This is God's will because you need to be disciplined. You've sinned against God. And so you need to have a season under the oppression of the Babylonians because without that, you'll continue to run wild and you'll continue to rebel against God. And so if you actually try to take this off, guess what? It's going to get even worse. You could die. Well, here's the deal. As, and as I told you, in panel number two, go ahead and draw a picture of a broken yoke because there's another prophet in the room and his name is Hananiah. And he's a false prophet. He's a liar. And he comes and he grabs the yoke off of Jeremiah's shoulders and goes, bam, slams it on the ground. And it says it breaks. This is why I'm kind of thinking maybe it was like a human yoke. I can't picture this big, huge ox yoke just breaking on the ground, but that's just a theory. And so this is what Hananiah says. He says, no, this is what the Lord says. I will break the yoke of Babylon and you will be free of their control. Um, <clears throat> let's just take a vote real quick. Who had the good news, the better news? What Jeremiah said, that you're going to be under oppression? Or what Hananiah said, that like, you're going to be able to break free? You're going to overcome them. What's the good news? Anybody know? Capella? I can't hear. When you break free, that sounds like the good news, doesn't it? But what if it's not true? And that's what we run into here. That's what, how, many, how many of you that sounds familiar to you today? That there's preachers, that there's churches that are like, we're going to tell you the really, really good news that, that, you know, love just wins in the end and it doesn't matter what you do on this earth. We're all going to the same heaven, serving the same God, right? And sometimes those churches explode in growth because it's like, oh, there's finally a religion for me. But what if it's not true? And so Jeremiah is not popular. And he did not fall into the temptation of being popular. But here's something we learn. As discouraging as this was for Jeremiah, point number one in your notes is this. 
When your heart is broken, God still speaks to you. That had to be so reassuring to him, right? That even though no one was listening, God continued to give him more messages to give. And so this is what he says. After the yoke is broken, Jeremiah says, I've taken that wooden yoke, this is God speaking through him, and have replaced it with an iron one that is not so easily broken. I've given them control over the wild animals, and I will give them control over you too. And as for you, Hananiah, because of your lies, you will die this very year. Whoa. So he just upped his ante. He went from like, you're all going to be under this yoke to like, this dude's going to die for leading you astray. That's big. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, imagine I'm here and I'm preaching to you today and I have my illustration, which I often do. And Joseph comes up here and he's like, no, pastor. And he just breaks the, breaks the illustration. And he's like, everything Pastor Joe has been preaching to you is a lie. And what makes it worse, all of you believe him. How does Pastor Joe feel? Overwhelmed. Because certainly I'm confident I wouldn't speak it if I didn't believe God gave it to me. And I didn't believe it was the truth. Well, this is Jeremiah. He knows he's getting messages directly from the Lord. And now this liar comes up and discredits him. And they're all believing him. Why? What had he ever predicted that actually came true? Yet Jeremiah has this perfect track record. And they're refusing to listen to him. They're listening to what their itching ears want to hear as we read in the New Testament. Yet one thing that kept Jeremiah going was that God continued to speak to him. Just like we talked a little bit about Elijah last week, when we lean in to hear God's voice, it reminds us that he's not forgotten us. In those times, we have to continue to listen to God's voice and do what he says, right? It's, it's not enough just to listen, but to do what he says. And so Jeremiah, he's totally alone in warning. No one will listen. Even when Hananiah eventually actually does die. So he says, you're going to die. And that's exactly what happens. Two months later, even then the king of Judah doesn't want to believe Jeremiah. Can you imagine that? It's like, this guy's going to die. He suddenly croaks. See, I told you. Nope, still don't want to listen to you. Can you imagine just putting all that effort forth and how, how, how scary it would be to speak out in those situations and then all just for naught, no one listens. So when the enemy, the king of Babylon, hears about the conspiracy, he's quick to attack Jerusalem, just like Jeremiah had prophesied. So that's two prophecies we've talked about this morning that came true, exactly what Jeremiah said. So the Babylonians are attacking, but the only thing that keeps them at bay from a swift, easy victory is the giant walls that surround Jerusalem. So in panel number three, I want you to draw a picture of Jeremiah sitting in the mud. We're gonna explain why in just a moment. So Jeremiah, right there in that third box, you see that's mud down there at the bottom, so you can color it in brown if you want, if you got that color. But while the, while, while the walls hold the Babylonian army at bay, the soldiers of Judah search for Jeremiah it was, even though it was the people's sin that caused all this to happen, they blamed Jeremiah for it. Have you ever been blamed? How many kids in here, you've been blamed for something your sibling did? Oh, yeah. Every single hand went up. How does that feel? Does that feel good? No, it feels kind of stinky, doesn't it? 
It feels unfair. It feels rotten. This is exactly what Jeremiah is going through. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I bet uh, when you got in trouble for something your sibling did, it wasn't so bad that you literally thought you were going to die that your parents were gonna kill you because of what you did. Now you say that as an expression, but you know deep down they're not gonna kill you, right? Jeremiah's life was at stake. They're hunting him down because they failed to heed his warning and exactly what he said was gonna happen is actually happening. So when the soldiers find Jeremiah, guess what they do to him? They grab him, they throw him into a dried up well and they leave him there to starve. And that's where we find him in the picture you're drawing. Their goal was for him to slowly starve to death and die of thirst. What a way to go, right? Alone in the dark, in the dark, Jeremiah sits hungry in the gooey, stinky mud, wondering if he'll live to see the light again. But God has not forgotten about Jeremiah, and he moves the king of Judah to show him mercy. Point number two is this. When your heart is broken, God still sees you. When your heart is broken, God still sees you. You ever had that happen in your life where life is really hard and it's tough, but God just kind of throws you a little bone here and there to let you know, I haven't forgotten about you. Maybe it's like I'm, sh- I'm short on my electricity bill and um, it's 200 and someone just gave me 100. It doesn't cover the whole bill, but I still see you. I still have my eyes on you. And that's what happens here. The king has Jeremiah taken out of that well and placed under house arrest where he remains guarded until one day after two and a half years of fighting. Did you hear that? Two and a half years of fighting as a result of them not listening to God's voice. Two and a half years of fighting, the great wall of Jerusalem comes crashing down and the Babylonian soldiers rush in and now it's on. There's no more wall. And so soon the city is set on fire and the remaining wall is broken down. So in that last panel, number four, all I want you to draw is fire. I want you to draw fire on the walls and the buildings. See, the enemy soldiers, they go in, they steal all the gold, the silver, everything valuable from the temple and the palace buildings. So they plundered everything. And worst of all, the people of Judah are made prisoners and forced to leave their homes. Everyone but the poorest people are taken to Babylon where they become servants to the powerful enemy nation. But God allows no harm to come to Jeremiah. Can you imagine that? He is in the middle of a war zone and God allows no harm to come to Jeremiah. Number three is this. When your heart is broken, God still helps you. When your heart is broken, God still helps you. Jeremiah's reputation was great. And so word of it actually reached the king of Babylon, the one who's attacking him right now and his people. And so the enemy king has heard about his faithfulness to God and about his efforts to actually keep Judah from rebelling against him. And so he gives orders that Jeremiah be kept safe. So listen to this, people. Because Jeremiah was faithful to God, even though he was brokenhearted, even though he had experienced failure time and time again, even though he had every reason in the world to give up and quit because he's just talking to a wall, it's not making a difference. God delivered him in the end because he stayed faithful. Jeremiah is invited by this powerful king to live in wealth and honor in Babylon, but then he chooses something different. Instead, he says, I'm gonna stay in Jerusalem so I can help the poor people that you've left behind. Even then, he continues to hear God's voice and do what God says to do, 
no matter failure after failure, disappointment after disappointment. And although his life has been spared, he's not finding a lot of happiness in this, guys. Life's still hard for him, and so he weeps for the destruction of his beloved nation and its people. And here's one of the things he prays. He cries out to God, this city, once so full of people, is now deserted because of Judah's great sin. Her enemy is now her master. This is why I weep, and my eyes overflow with tears. There is no one to comfort me. Sounds heavy, doesn't it? And so I wonder, and I want to give you guys some time at your tables now. We're going to take a break. I want you to share what you drew, share your drawings with those around you, and I want you to talk about this. What does this story teach you about God, and how would you have felt if you were in Jeremiah's shoes, okay? We're going to talk about those two questions, show each other our drawings, and then we're going to finish this today. All right. Always great to hear all of your perspectives, but it's so great to hear the perspective of a younger person. Just reminded that uh, uh, a lot of times the simplest answer is the truest answer, right? And uh, that's why it's so important to listen. Basically, these three points that I've shared with you this morning, they sum up this thought that I want you to leave here with that I want you to hold on to no matter what. And that is this, that God stays close to you when your heart is broken. Psalm 23, 4, very famous passage, says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to talk to you this morning about some even those. What is your even though this morning? What is that thing that uh, you can have hope in spite of? That if you're honest, it causes you some great discouragement, some heaviness, and maybe even to the point where it feels like you're about to be crushed. Like, even though my brother's always mean to me and he always gets away with everything because he's the baby, right? Even though everyone seems to pick on me at school, even though my boss is totally unfair and never gives me credit for the work that I put in, even though my wife left me, even though my dad is not around anymore, and I'm not sure he even cares. Even though I will fear no evil. Why? Simply because you are with me. David understood this as a shepherd. That he would lead his sheep through the darkest valleys. And they did not need to fear because they knew their shepherd was nearby with their rod and their staff. Now, church, you need to understand that when you walk through the darkness, you can't see. So you have to trust in the presence of the one who's watching over you. 
You can't see who's with you in the dark. But church, we need to take comfort in the darkest valleys because even when we feel vulnerable, even when we can't see what's coming, even when we can't see the danger that lies ahead, we can know that God is with us. And this changes everything. And this is how. This can of spray is a lot like us when we go through difficult times and we face a lot of disappointments. See, this can of Sprite is empty. It's kind of like us, right? Because when we get hit with life again and again and again and again, sometimes it feels like we're, it drains us, right? It empties us of joy, of energy, of hope. We lose motivation. We don't even want to try anymore. It doesn't even make sense to put our best foot forward because we feel like we're just going to stumble and fall again. And so what happens is like this foot is the pressure and the pain in this world. We start to really feel it, right? And what happens is not only do we suffer the things we're going through, but then our mind takes over and we start hitting the replay button. And we just start counting up everything that's wrong. I'm not treated well at home. I'm not treated well at work. I'm not treated well at school. Um, I never seem to have enough. I never seem to be good enough. And so it starts to snowball, like we started talking about last week, until the weight of the world feels like it's on us, and then it just crushes us. Anybody in here this morning feel like maybe you're crushed in spirit? Like, like life is just too much and it's weighing you down and you feel like you're just collapsing underneath the pressure. I want you to look at the scripture with me though on the screen. Uh, Psalm 34, 18. And actually, where's that microphone? Because I would love to have a young person read it for us. Who's got the mic? Awesome. All right. Now, who's, who's a good reader who likes reading in public? Oh man, someone's trying to get their kid to... Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so it's going to be right up on the screen. You're just going to read it right off the screen, okay? Oh, no, you can just stand right here. So. We getting it? Was that one missing? Did I miss that one, guys? It's uh, Psalm 34, 18. Yeah. We got a Bible here we can use. Oh, there it is. Go ahead. Okay. Have, Do you want me to ask someone else? No, hold on. I just need you just got to get your glasses. Okay. Don't worry. Take your time. This is not robbing the moment at all. <laughs> all right. There you go. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's give it up. Appreciate you. Let's give this back to the man, the Reverend Devin. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so let me illustrate that for you. This is us, right? We're the empty can without joy, without motivation, without hope. But this jar right here is a lot like the presence of God. See, the jar is clear, which reminds us that God is invisible. And we can't see him, but he's always there. And the jar is also strong, right? I can squeeze it and I can't crush it, which reminds us of God's strength and power that when we're not strong enough, guess what? 
he is. And so this is how it works. When we feel like sadness is pressing down on us and we have the hope and the understanding that God is close, then we understand that his presence surrounds us and he's very near. And so when sad things begin to happen to us, no matter how heavy it gets, God sees us and he keeps us from being crushed, even with the full weight of the world on us. It's amazing how something so simple that we can turn into a cliche so that we're not able to receive the hope that comes from it. Like, hey, you're not alone. God's with you. God's near the brokenhearted. And we just take that truth and we throw it away because we've heard it too many times. It's become cliche. That's just a bumper sticker on the back of your car. But the truth is that the knowledge of his presence and the trust in it that he will be enough is all it takes to bear any burden that has been placed upon you. Young and old this morning, this simple truth is something that we need to be reminded of. That whatever you're facing today, just as God kept Jeremiah from being crushed by sadness and gave him hope, he does the same for you. Listen, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to cry. Jeremiah did. But you need to know that you're not alone. That God will save you from being crushed by the sadness. Know that when you pray and ask God to help you, he will. And he'll help you find your joy again. And best of all, know that for those of us who follow Jesus, we have the eternal hope that God has promised us that one day, as messed up as our life may seem, he's going to fix it. He's going to turn it all around. There will be no more weeping or crying or sorrow or pain. And that is the hope that we have when we understand that God's presence is with us. So listen to this. We heard a lot of sadness and sorrow in Jeremiah's story, didn't we? Even though he saw God working and moving, he's like, this still isn't good. This still isn't okay because these people that I love and care about, God's chosen people, they're suffering and I can do nothing about it. But listen to this. This is his conclusion found in Lamentations chapter 3, which Joseph read part of it. But check this out. He says first by acknowledging his sorrow, he says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve my loss yet come on somebody turn to your neighbor and say yet yet I still dare to hope when I remember this the faithful love of the Lord never ends his mercies never cease great is his faithfulness his mercies begin afresh each morning I say to myself the Lord is my inheritance therefore I will hope in him the Lord is good to those who depend on him to those who search for him so it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord at our table we talked about how uh, sometimes God doesn't work on our timetable he doesn't move as fast as we think he could he should and Jeremiah knew this so well and he said it's good for us to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord and listen to this young people this is for you it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline I'm telling you you will put yourself light years ahead young people if you'll learn now not one day when I grow up I'll get my life together and I'll start living for God but if you will learn now to submit to his authority in your life, 
You'll experience the blessing of God. You'll experience the truth uh, and, and the strength that comes when life gets hard. But it only comes by submitting to him. Listen to this. Skipping down to verse 31, he says, No one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also brings compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. I want to ask you guys to bow your heads with me just real quick. Maybe life is tough right now. Maybe you feel like Jeremiah. Like no matter how hard you try, there's a wall staring back at you in your face. It seems like it's not even worth trying. But today you're sensing that there's a God that wants to enter your life and give you hope and the strength you need to face this life without being crushed by hopelessness. He wants you to understand that he's speaking to you, that he sees you, and that he will help you. And you say, Pastor Joe, I'm young, maybe I'm not young. You say, I wanna give my life to this God because I recognize that I don't have a relationship with him and that's why I don't have this hope. I recognize that I've done wrong and only he can forgive me of my sins. And you want to become a Christian today. You want to receive him into your life today for the first time. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up real quick so that we can pray with you this morning? We want you to have a relationship with this God that gives you hope. Anybody in the room? Awesome. We're going to go ahead and pray this prayer for those that maybe didn't raise their hand, but they know they need the Lord and those who are watching online. So would all of you just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Father God, I thank you that you are the God of hope when life seems hopeless. I'm asking you right now to come into my life because I recognize that I need you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin to make me clean and brand new. I'm asking you to come live inside of me, to give me your Holy Spirit and to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you in power and be your witness to the rest of the world. Come into my life, God, and I choose to live my life for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, even though I didn't see any physical hands raised, can we just clap for anyone that may have prayed that prayer for the first time today? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to end, sort of end. This is a soft ending because we're going to come back at the end, announcements and offering and all that. But I want to give you guys a little bit more time at your table. And this is something our table hosts know what to do, but I'm going to explain it to you here too, okay? And Fountain Kids, oftentimes they will participate in this thing and it's, it's, got, it's called prayer bands. And they'll take prayer requests. And so at each table, there's prayer bands. Your table host is gonna write down your name and a short phrase to remind us of what you're asking God for, for prayer in your life. Then they're gonna redistribute those prayer bands to someone else. And they're gonna wear it and they're gonna commit to praying for you all week long. Sometimes it's just nice to know that someone's praying for us, huh? Sometimes that reminds us that we're surrounded by God's presence, 
that God's going to give us the strength that we need. And so we're going to give you a few minutes to do that at your tables. Then Yohani is going to come. And lastly, Devin's going to lead us into a time of offering and prayer. All right? Let's take a few moments to pray with one another. All right. Hello, 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 hello. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to, if you haven't already prayed at your tables, um, can we go ahead and just pray together real quick? Maybe you want to put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you or something. Let's just, let's just together collectively lift up what's represented on these bands, okay? So Father, we just come before you today and we thank you that you're a God who hears prayers. Um, God, but even when we're going through it, even when you're not as quick to come and change our circumstances as we think you should be, that you're showing us right now, God, that you see us, that you're still speaking to us, and that you'll give us all the help that we need and the strength that we need. So Father, I pray over every prayer band that we're wearing today, God, that you would just, uh, first of all, reassure the person who has the need, that you've got them, that you're with them, and that you're close. But we pray in faith, Father God, that there would be breakthroughs that would take place, that people would report back next week that throughout this week they saw victory over the very thing they wrote down on this prayer band, God, and they could feel the effects of the prayers of your people, God, that as we lift each other up in prayer, you would move on our behalf, Father God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for reminding us that you're close, that you're never far away, for reminding us to stay faithful and to be obedient, to do what your word says no matter what. And we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So I just want to invite you. Johanny's going to come and then Devin's going to come. Can you welcome Johanny as he comes? Good morning, Fountain. I want, I'm here to give you a reminder. One of the elders wrong word last week gave her information about that October is a pastor appreciation month. And I remember he was mentioning to we come prepare to bless our pastor. And here is the thing. You know, pastors have a great wage over their life for the congregation they lead. We love our pastor for the great job he is doing, but not just when he's preaching here at the church. But it's, this is a day through day, week through week, year through year. In October, we have the opportunity to bless him and his family and show that we really appreciate the job that he's doing for in our benefit. Amen. So the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is encouraging the Corinthians to bless the pastor, to bless the minister. And he's telling them that if a ministry saw the spiritual thing in your life, do they have the right to reap the material things? So this is a biblical principle. And we wanted to do that to encourage you to do it, you can do it through our online. So that has to be a designated offering. 
If, for those who do the offering online, you have to go over there and designate a Passover Appreciation Month. And you can do that as you do for the tithe, for offering, for benevolence. And if you do it through the envelope, you do the same thing. If you put it like a just an offering and don't specify for what, pastor won't receive that money, okay? So we want to encourage you to do that. We know the fountain is a, a very generous church, and we wanted to show that in your gratitude and your appreciation for Pastor Joe. If you want to give a hand over Pastor Joe, please. Thank you, Pastor Joe. We believe you're doing a great job in our church, and we are very grateful for that. And we want the church to bless you through the offering. And now we're going to have a great young man going to lead us into the offering. Come on, Devin. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. We have some announcements and then we have offering. First off, we have pie. Lots of it. So before you leave, please grab one. Do not forget or else I will find you and then I will shove it down your throat. Okay. Uh, second off, we, uh, we have the prayer uh, during, out, throughout the week. And then Wednesday is the in-person meeting. The 8th? Okay, the 8th is the Arizona We Pray All Day in person, and we have to sign up online for every other day. But the 8th is the in-person, so come to that. And for offering, we have three ways to give up or back in the buckets now on the to the address on the screen in mail and on our website. Don't forget the piece of pie. Okay, <laughs> let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for today, and I just pray that you would... Bless this offering, and I just pray that you would let it go to good deeds, Lord Jesus. I just pray that you would bless us all. I just thank you for the wonderful giving church that we have, and I just pray that you would help us all have a good day, and I just pray that the pie would taste good in your name. Amen. <laughs> 